All right. <clears throat> Welcome back to the Social Distance Podcast, guys. Sorry we're late. Uh, Jonesy was traveling back across, across the oh, world. It was my fault. George and Thanks, I were racing. Jonesy. We were also we were just fatigued. We needed a week off after the tour. But we're back now. Um, big announcement on the show. I actually uh, announced my retirement from cycling. Uh, 2022 is going to be my last year as a professional bike rider. So we have a, a good long chat about that. And I try not to get too emotional. Um, I don't really. Um, George cried. I cried. <laughs> yeah, very I just feel like people don't trust us when we say we've got a big announcement. Because every time we've had a big no. announcement, it's been an announcement of an announcement. You know, like, oh, we're going to tell, the big announcement is we're going to tell you when the merch is ready. You know, that's yeah. been our big announcement. But now we've actually got one and people are like, oh, yeah, big announcement. Yeah. So mm. I do announce my retirement. So that there's a good chunk of the show dedicated to that. First, we talk about Tour de France as well. We touch on Jonesy's skin cancer scare. Uh, scare. Don't use apps to diagnose skin cancers. We discover uh, George's Discover speed my scamming. Yep. Yeah. yeah. All right. Like, share, it. subscribe. Oh, and some new merch. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> let's let's just run the intro and wing it like we always do and see what comes out of it. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. Frank mm. Just didn't problem basketball chat. My radar's going pretty hard at the moment. I think we should. Will you shut, shut up, man? That escalated quickly. Oh, We're gonna need to get some more qualified guests on the show, eh? <laughs> <laughs> You've had a rough couple of days, Jonesy. You're, oh we, man, you've I'm done jet lagged as fuck. You've done well to make this show. It's what it's nearly half past ten at night in Aussie, and you've been home for a couple of days. You've just had a power yeah. nap. Mm, that's playing with fire, eh? Right? So you had a power nap. What time? Nine thirty local time. Nine thirty p.m. Uh, local time. No, eight you o'clock. Set up for a pa- I, was, I, was, I fell asleep halfway through the Shania Twain doco, and then uh, <laughs> I missed oh, the juicy part. The second half, yeah, nah. But no, interesting story actually. She she did really well. She I've got a story. I've got a Shania Twain albums. story. Have you? Really? Well, she was going to buy my friend's house or really? my friend's neighbor's house. Yeah. Up on she the top of Takaka Hill. She no, no, in, in New Zealand. Zealand. Yeah, oh, she was she? going to buy on the top of Takaka Hill. Mm. She owned and, a station uh, in Queenstown or something, I think. Yeah, she she came in with a helicopter. This is what I heard. Came in with a helicopter mm-hmm. and went mm, pretty far away, like top of over where Jack Bauer lives. Basically, Jack Bauer's house, and just went and nah, pulled the plane, went to, went to Queenstown, sold a hundred yeah, right. million albums. So how how much time she spent up in NZ? I don't, don't know. know. I haven't spoken to her lately. Yeah, no. I haven't seen her for a while. Yeah. Anyway, how, um, how's the power nap working out for you? How's the eight? Yeah, no, nah, yeah, no. Nah, and when you said I oh, could go at ten p.m., I was hoping you'd go. Now nah, let's push back to eleven forty-five. You know, when your brain goes more <laughs> sleep, more sleep. And I was going, yeah, I could do another half, and you're going, no, I'm good to go. I was like, ah, shit. Well, you so, yeah. you called me, you called me a couple of days ago, six p.m. European time, mm. and I was like, and you were like, you were bright eyed, bushy tailed. You chatted to me for oh, an yeah. hour, and I was like, that's fucking two o'clock in the morning in Melbourne. <laughs> you were, yeah, well, you're already it's, awake. It's funny with jet lag when you think that you can beat it, and you get home and you go, right, that's it. I'm shutting it down at ten o'clock. And you fall asleep, you're asleep, but then you're up at one, wide awake, and you think it's like 6 a.m. And then when I check the watch, it's like, oh, no, I'm wide awake. You lack lack discipline. This is your issue. So Why? In many areas, just in general, like this is one of your many, you know, issues of your life, you just lack discipline, you know? But also with the jet lag, um, because you just got to get to your schedule. Well, that's why I've nailed it now. I've become like, it's like a 
had an ability just to master jet lag because you just go and you go local time zone straight away, boom, never get out of it. Yeah, but so I if you wake up at, but yeah, if you, you wake up naps. at one, what do you yeah, mean you're not trying that hard? No, hang on, hang on. So I woke up at one o'clock wide awake. Tried everything. Yeah. Tried listen meditation. You app, just gotta, you know. just gotta go through the motions. You just gotta lie in bed and go. Oh, I'm not allowed to get out of bed until eight o'clock or six o'clock, and then you got to stay the whole day. So you got to go like twenty hours without sleeping, and then the next night you're so fucked that you just do like a solid ten hours in the pit. Well, I could have done that. Instead, I decided to ring bills and chatted him for <laughs> from two till three thirty, and then I could tell he was sick of me. So then I stayed up till six thirty, shut it down for ninety minutes. And then got through that day, and I thought I've beaten it. I've beaten it. I'm back mm. normal time, normal sleep. Um, and then yeah, the last couple of nights have been rough. I went to sleep at seven thirty last night. And then we tonight made you do a podcast at ten thirty. That's it. Yeah. Oh, and then and then I had a skin cancer scare, so I had this little <laughs> this little thing on my eye, and I thought when I got to France, I go shit, that's getting bigger. I thought it was a scratch. What is it? One... Well, I there's an app you can get. And it, I thought maybe I could fast track this and get a you doctor. Never, go, never Google medical problems. Exactly. And like for I started last night. Google it and it says you're going to die tomorrow. <laughs> well, there's an app called Scan Scanema Insta something, and it was developed by like you know University of Michigan to scan like skin cancers. So I did the photo, sent it off, and then straight away they said 89 percent chance this is something to worry about. Oh, really? Yeah, eighty nine percent. I thought, shit, I don't like those odds, and I'm stressing about it when I got back. And then I thought, they said for twenty four bucks, you can send the photo off to a doctor, and then the doctor in America will give you like their recommendation based on the photo, and you fill in all these details. I sent that, and then they go, your results are in, and you're like, oh shit, I don't know if I want to read this, but I've paid twenty four clams or better. And then the first line was concerning. I'm like, oh no, oh. that's not that's not good. And then they use all these long words like, "You have an irregular acitrum, what pigmented karyotic plaque over your face, which look like a flat pigmented subheric keratosis or solar lintigo." Oh Jesus! And I'm that's going. That Feel doesn't fun. sound none of those sound good. And it's like basically said, go see someone ASAP. So I'm like, shit. So I book into the skin cancer place at 20 to 4, thinking, fuck, this this is it. You know, I might start getting my affairs in order, you know. And go in and see the guy, and he looks at it and he goes, Yeah, well, mate, you were here six months ago. You know, you were due for another six months. I said, mate, this thing here. He goes, What? I go, this thing here. He goes, Oh, yeah, I'll have a look at it. He goes, No, that's a sunspot, you're getting old. I was like, what? <laughs> right, I guess, yeah, you can keep it. But um, I said, will it get bigger? He goes, yeah, probably get a bit bigger. I said, yeah, but I don't want to keep it then because you want me to freeze it off. I said, what's that involved? He goes, I'll freeze it. And he goes, it'll scab up a couple of weeks. I said, yeah, get it done. And then he goes, oh, it'll sting a bit. Just be- They always tell you that just before they do it. Oh, I burnt like a bastard. But now this thing's going to scab up, but it'll go. You know how we love floating business ideas on the show? I just had a really good one. And it's essentially an extreme version of what you've just gone through. So it's an, it's an app that's, you know, there to diagnose your, yeah. you know, medical conditions. Basically, people go like, oh, got a sore throat, you know, my mm-hmm. hand hurts and, you know, whatever. Put it in the app. 
and the app comes back and goes critical critical you know this is this is code red like 50 bucks yeah 50 bucks will tell you what's wrong but don't don't wait around because you don't have long no that's it you know it caused panic what do i got to pay it could have been 100 bucks you know i'll pay just give me the news and the news was go see someone that's the end of it We've put out yeah, all these the, words. You need to see a doctor. Yeah. You need to see a doctor. So I'm at the same position. I'm 24 bucks down. And yeah, I had two days of thinking, well, that was it. Oh, at least so, you're skin cancer. So you got scammed. No. no, well, I know now I'm fine. Got to burn off. So this thing's going to scam Speaking of getting scams, remember yeah. a couple of weeks ago how I was saying like um, Spanish government was sacking money out of my account and I was, I was, you know, I was outraged and I thought like, what's going on here just losing yeah, yeah, yeah and it was just bunches it was like a thousand euros and two and a half thousand euros and 500 bucks all this stuff it it did not make any sense at the time when you were telling us i thought no. how does a government get away with that but it's from george so it must be true so i rang a lawyer and said okay you need to look at this because something's going on here so i i actually got hold of a lawyer and he's like yeah oh, this is pretty weird um i'll look into it for you and he <laughs> went to the um he went to the tributary, like the, the office, everything like this, tax agency, everything like this. Going, what, what's going on? He sent me this email, and he's like, "You are a dickhead. Did you own a? Did you once live in Spain before I moved to Andorra? Yeah. Did you once own a car in Spain with this number plate? Yeah. And he's like, well, you've got four thousand euros of speeding fines, mate. So <laughs> <laughs> he's like, you've got." You got like three thousand eight hundred euros of speeding fines and thirteen euros because you once illegally parked your scooter. So, <laughs> how quick were you going? That's a fair well, clip of the ticket. You yeah. hope there's not one fine. <laughs> no, no. It, was, it was it was a lot of fines. But the worst thing was is like it's this it's this great money making scheme from the Spanish government where like if you don't so you get sent a ticket and obviously they're sending it to my old house. I don't even you know don't live there. Didn't even. And then you need to go in and identify the driver, mm. which I didn't do. So then it doubles. And oh, then yeah. you've got like four weeks to pay it. And if you don't pay it, then that fine doubles. So suddenly you're paying like a 50 euro speeding ticket is like 800 bucks. And it just becomes this outrageous thing. So anyway, I sold that hey, car. Well, I've got a question it's on weird that. weird that you have to go and identify yourself. I, I, I got a speeding fine in the mail in Andorra. And I was like, I'd had a, I'd had a recent altercation with my neighbor. He said, because I've been calling the cops on me. And I was like, you fucking won't call the cops. Go on then. Um, and then like a week later, I got this letter in the mail from the police. I was like, ooh, he did he it. He called the cops. He, he called he the did. cops. And it said like to report. It was it was over nothing. I parked in the spot or something. I had an argument with him. I was eating an apple. I threw the apple core on the ground. I was pissed off. And then um, anyway, I was like, I'm not going to the cops. Like, I'm not going to report to the police over this shit. So I just didn't go. And then the letters just kept on coming, kept on coming. So fuck. So six months later, I was like, I better go. So I went to the police station <laughs> and I was like, oh, I got this letter. Um, <sighs> I, they wanted me to come and see you guys in March. It was like November at this point. I was flying to New Zealand the next day. And uh, it was for a speeding fine. They're like, oh, you need to identify the driver. And they showed me the photo. And I was like, I don't have long blonde hair. Hannah. <laughs> 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 They love calling oh. cops in Spain. We used to get the neighbor above us, that old lady. Remember, she was psycho. But she'd call mm. the cops if you if you're playing music through your laptop and you're just watching a YouTube video and you get the bang on the door 
and she'd start going ape shit in Spanish. And I remember after a while, I'd had a few reds and I was like, I'm over this lady. So she just did it every time. And then one time I sent her over the edge where I couldn't speak Spanish, but I just said, ah, you're loco. <laughs> and that, that was it. Bang on the door, cops. I think Taryn was really? there at the time. Yeah, and she was moving back to Australia. So she showed him her passport and gave her passport number. I was like, oh, not sure about that. Didn't, didn't you deliver that old lady some flowers, like plastic flowers that you yeah, the housewarming died or something? Well, yeah. I, I had the housewarming, the famous housewarming party, and that was generally worth calling the cops on. That was loud. And the next day I thought, oh, you know, nothing, a bottle of champers and some flowers won't fix. So I saw those flowers at the market and bought them and got the champers. When I'm taking them home, I'm going, geez, where's the dirt? And I was like, oh, no, they're plastic. Oh, well, they still look good. So I dropped them off at a door, and apparently in Spain you give them fake flowers when someone dies. So it was a message like, why don't you You're... die and be here some champers before you go? It's like and sending so... a horse head, putting a horse head in their bed, kind of the yeah. equivalent of. Yeah, and like an hour later, the flowers and the champers were on the front door, so she gave them back. So I kept the flowers and put them on the coffee table. They were a great addition. But, <laughs> but yeah. But now with the speeding fines, when Australians, and this would happen with Kiwis, when we go to Europe, you hear these stories of the autobahns, you know, and they go, nah, no speed limits. You just gas it. I love that myth. No speed limits. Can't yeah, get Germany. speeding on the, on the motorway. It's, it's true in yeah. Germany. It's not true in yeah, France, Yeah, well, it's not true it? on the AP7. No. Tell you that. Uh, okay. So I could be While getting a few of, fines um, myself from the tour. We. Oh, yeah, you will. They'll, they'll find a way to you if you've got a rental car. But while we're talking about cop stories, we can mm. always cut this out because this might be a terrible story for if Sam wants to tell it or not. I fully heard for the first time from start to finish. What are you throwing me out of the bus for? <laughs> no, no, you told me the story, but I'd, I'd never heard it from start to finish. You told it to me like two months ago. The start to finish story of how you got subpoenaed by the... No, I've French told that story. The, the, from start to finish. I'd never I've heard the whole here. thing. Oh, I've you told it on the podcast. Yeah. Oh, I just zoned out. You must have been, yeah. You must have zoned out. I've told that I story. I must not have been there. Oh, yeah. okay. So that's a good excuse for people to go back and filter through the other episodes if they want to hear that story. But that um that yellow jersey behind you, Jonesy, reminds me that the Tour de France happened. Should we oh, yeah. fuck it off? Oh, yeah. We've, yeah, fuck it. I'll tell you one good thing is I used you a few times to get to uh, Poggy. Like I talked hmm. to your media manager and I said, hey, um, spoke to George. He's doing all right. This is after you had COVID. I hadn't spoken to you. I just assumed you'd be all right. And he goes, oh, good. I said, yeah, he's on the men. Then... No, I wasn't. I was getting worse. <laughs> I deteriorated in a big way. Well, they I only wanted positive news. Around. Yeah. Yeah. They just wanted good news. I said, yeah, no, nah, he's going all right. And then he goes, he looks at me and he goes, oh, you do the podcast with George? I said, yeah. And so then after that, whenever, because we're in the mix zone, I'd just give him the head nod and do the one finger, like, you know, just one quick question. And he'd, be, he'd give me the nod, like, yeah, I'll bring him over. I thought, oh, yeah, I'm in now. And then that's why I finally did talk to you and said, oh, you got any messages for Poggy? And you go, yeah, just tell him, um, keep washing his hands. And I said, all right, well, I rejigged that and said, oh, I've got a message for you. He said, keep fighting, keep washing your hands. And then, yeah, no, it was awesome because every time he was in the mix zone, he'd bring him over. And then I thought instead of – well, because I kept mixing up legitimately, like when you'd say today, like I said to him once, oh, today, so, you know, what's the plan to act today or whatever, and just mumbled the words. So then I just started calling him 
Poggy, like you call him, and then that broke the ice, and then he started pissing himself at my accent, and that was great. So thanks for the leverage there, GB. It was a bloody – that final week of the tour, like it was one of the best Tour de France's – Tours de France, I think is how you say it in English, isn't it? Tour, yeah. tour de France's? Tours de France, I think is the correct way. Um, it's one of the, It was one of the best in many years. Like, oh, yeah. especially with, with Pogman being the favourite, then being on the back foot, and then having to make, like, he just had to attack, 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 which he oh, did. Yeah. It made it such an exciting race. And then, like, they had the women's tour uh, that's just finished yesterday. It just, like, led into it. That was actually a really exciting race. Like, yeah. I, I think the, the the organisers of the women's tour did such a good job with the design of the course. And I saw an interview from Annemiek Van Vluden just before we started the show, actually, and she said the same thing, like, making interesting stages is what makes interesting racing and the way the women race is so aggressive like they just you know it's a different style to the men's race where you know some days a breakaway will big fight for the breakaway and the breakaway will win doesn't really happen so much in women's cycling like they race every day at the top the top mm. woman you know they want to win every stage I and win the overall i didn't get to see any of it because i was away racing but there was, hey, was like there was an early break and a team controls same similar format basically or was it mm. like just under 23 like more like our stint at Castile Leon, just people just going ape shit. Yeah, people just going ape shit. But like they did really well with the design of the course because it, it actually like it encouraged that. I mean, I've I've always been pretty vocal on this show about gravel stages and and cobble stages and um and tours. I don't think they should be there. And they had a gravel stage in the women's tour last uh, like mid midweek midway through this tour. And again, I don't think the gravel should be in there. But the nature of the course is they race a lot in the Champagne area, so short, steep climbs, like real classic style racing. And the racing was fucking exciting. It was really good to watch. And Annemiek was a, like, she was sick early on in the week. She was struggling a bit, lost a little bit of time here and there, and then just went on this mission two days to she go. She couldn't even it. pack um, her bags on the second day. She was that crook. Mm. Really? Yeah. Was that yeah. I, um, I, heard, I saw this interview. It was, well, it was a headline in Dutch. And apparently, like, she had to stop and, like, take a shit or something in the race. And she just goes, yeah, I had to stop and take a Tom Dumoulin chair. Like, uh, you know, like, <laughs> stop and take a little Tom Dumoulin. <laughs> oh, well, it, was that. it was it was a bloody good race. H Hannah's actually, Hannah did it. She's home. She'll be home in a couple of hours, so looking forward to hearing about it. But I, it I a got a couple of messages last night saying that um, the woman's after party was far more off chops than anything that the men went through. Have they top got a bunch. version of the duplex up at the top of the mountain there? All you Duplices need is a, a nightclub where the aircon doesn't work and a smoker's yeah. room and a few strobe lights and you got the duplex. Did That's you go out and goes up the isn't it? No, nah, cooked. Got to 11.30, walked 21 and a half Ks and it was like you couldn't get a feed anywhere at the restaurant. That's the shit thing about finishing late. Mm. You know, by the time you do all your work, you've – yeah, finish at 9.30.10 and then you're walking around and you go in every restaurant, you sit down, you look at the menu and then you go, hang on, where's the food? And then you come out and you go, mate, where's your food menu? He goes, nah. I look at you like, you fucking kidding me? He goes, no, drinks only. We go, oh, well, fuck. Went to about three oh, different restaurants smashed, and then ended up doing the, doing the Macca's <laughs> run and nah, I was cooked, 11 thirds. Even our team oh. was saying the same thing. I was speaking with Matty Heyman the other day and he said like, because the stage finishes so late, and then obviously there's you spend quite a lot of time at the at the finish on the Champs Elysees, you know, like obviously mm. you, I don't think they do the lap of 
on no. like the lap of honor anymore. No lap anymore. No. Why did they stop that? Actually, COVID. Probably. I think they stopped the shops, and I think the shops doesn't exist again. I think it's it's over. Um, next year, I think. Last year, twenty twenty four finishes in Nice, though. Oh, is it done? Well, because yeah. the Olympics. Ah. And I think they're walking past. Yeah, exactly. They're turning the whole Champs Elysees into like a green space, so I don't think ah. they're going to done it. It's interesting. Like, I can't really weigh in too much on like a unpack the tour because I just I watched. I got home. I was so depressed and so sick that I watched one stage and went, oh, you know, it was the stage, that stage, you know, um, Grenon, and went, fuck, you know, I needed to be there. You know, completely isolated, whatever, like Jumbo just, mm. and I got into that stage and I was like, I just was like, my soul was leaving my body, said, I'm not watching this again. And basically <laughs> didn't watch the tour again until, I think the time trial tuned in for a little bit, the time trial, and then I was like, ah. You no, went the opposite path to <laughs> me. me. When I when I crashed out of the tour, my only my only ever tour to France, crashed out on stage 10 and broke my wrist. I went the opposite. I just like immersed myself so deep into the tour de France. Like I was doing a detour podcast with Jones oh, yeah. every day. That's and right. I was like doing like special commentary and like I was just like fucking give me the tour. I need it. Really? Oh see, yeah, I, 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 couldn't, full I couldn't get far enough away from it. Couldn't get far enough away from it because I think I just it just hurt, you know, so much. Yeah. See anything, turn it on, it just hurt. You're like, oh, just it's like oh, painful watching TV. The fact that you were so in good, good form too. Like if mm. if you were starting the tour and then you were going shit, you probably would have been like, ah, eh. oh well. Yeah. <laughs> but you were you're going the, good, so you're like, fuck, I could have been there. You're the kind of guy, GB, that like when the family dog dies, you like bury it like on the other side of the country so you just you know and just go all right yeah Eliminate get away it. from the dog whereas i'm the kind of guy that would like put it like taxidermy and put on the mantelpiece or something like, <laughs> i don't want that dog to go people talk about that like, i need to talk about your feelings and go through it actually there was one bit of advice you gave me after like i think it was like i was like maybe eight days after i'd left and it was i was still just like couldn't go near the tour just hated hated it and you're like mate you're just gonna have to go through this you're just going to have to go through it one night. You're just going to have to go through it. And I think we're like, I even made like a playlist. You're just like, right, just go through it. Just get it out, you know? Yeah. And then- you've got to, at a certain point, you've got to front it. You've got to front the yeah. disappointment. Like I used to even like, I mean, most of my disappointments have come from injuries. And I used to always just like at a certain point, just go like, righto, tonight's the night. I'd like put on like fucking, I don't Mick know. Nick Cave. Nick Cave. <laughs> Nick Chicago. Cave, like, <laughs> and like just open a bottle of wine and just feel like shit you know but like i, yeah. I reckon it's the most helpful thing you can do you've got to at a certain point you've got to front it you can't keep like because it just it, it'll eventually simmer over but it's also translated from a mate going mate shut the fuck up and get over it yeah <laughs> Sick of fucking hearing, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know when the mate goes mate just feel it deal with it and then if you're not better don't tomorrow, talk to me about it again i'll do yeah. what you're doing on the tour and fucking you can have three weeks on the sideline <laughs> yeah it is, it is interesting though, like because the last time I actually the I went positive about five hours after we did our last podcast. You know how like I woke up mm. from the nap. Mm. It was a weird story because like we were talking about um, in the last pod, we were talking about like yeah, feeling good. The day before I'd done a good stage. I'd gone through eight days of shit. You know the cobble stage, Denmark, all the shit stages, and the next day we're starting the Alps. And everything was going well. Everything was like this, 
And I was like, oh man, I've just woken up from that crazy long nap. Mm. And there was, and then a few people like me after the news came out that I'd gone pause that that evening. They're like, oh, you didn't look right. I was like, oh, mm. I'm just woken up from a nap. But but it, how it started was like, I thought from that nap I'd like crooked my neck a bit. And so I like was talking to the doctor that night. I was like, oh man, I got a bit of a headache. Because I'd done a test the day before with the organization with the UCI. And by some miracle, 500 tests were negative. So everybody in the organization, every person that's putting up signs, every sports director, every rider, masseuse, mechanic, which, who are they kidding? Come mm. on. Yeah. Who are they kidding? Yeah, bullshit. Apps, what the hell? Like, with my, how positive I was on the PCR that I did that night, yes or yes, I was positive on the, on the rapid. So I don't know. They may be just mm. different thing up your nose and who knows. But, um, yeah, so I went to the doc and that night the doc's like, yeah, hey, hey, mate, like, obviously does this round. I was like, oh, yeah, feel good, you know, but just got like this thing. I slept funny, you know, I got a bit of a headache. And he looked at me and goes, oh, um, and I went, what? And he goes, no, nah, no, nah, just nothing. But we'll just do, we'll just do another test, eh? I was so like, we've got nah, a nap. We've got a nap you can use. Yeah. <laughs> Put your symptoms in that. <laughs> and then, because my doc's the man, he's such a good guy. And, you know, he's like one of those guys that like, he cares really about the riders, you know, really. And he's like, came in, because this is apparently how now I know now that how all that other case, it started, starts with a slight, slight, slight headache. And he came in, did the test, and he was telling me a story mid-test. Like, he's doing the test, right? And he's putting it in and waiting for it to come up. And he was telling me a story about something. And, and then halfway through, I noticed that he kind of um, just lost his train of thought and <laughs> drifted off. And I started looking at him. And then he just goes like, ah, fuck. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> oh, no. Fuck, and he just turned the test around, and it was like this thick red line. And I was like. <sighs> it was, there was, came, and back it, from it good got second in Castilla Leon oh that was a sympathy result if I've ever had one hmm. I didn't finish and I hadn't even had COVID mm. but it was funny because so me and Bules just did this this race in France and Spain Castilla Leon and we were talking on the start line about the last day like and I was giving him shit about like you know what how, what's going to happen today rah, rah. and I was like you got to finish it's a big lap you know but little did I know, it was actually, there was a way to not finish the race. And I was like, you got to finish because otherwise you've got to go training. He's like, eh, do I? I was always knew there was a possibility I wouldn't finish because of our tactics that we were going to employ yeah, yeah, yeah. at that stage. was always going to put me, like, it was always going to drop me with quite a long way to go because that was what we had to yeah. do to make the race hard. and. And I didn't Man, actually know there was a though. shortcut, but as soon as I as soon as I got dropped, you'd go into the Garmin and just go back to start, most direct route. <laughs> and I was like, 17K, sweet. <laughs> Straight down the highway. <laughs> that was your best 17K of the race. <laughs> I was thinking, George, the, the other downside of you testing positive is that crazy French guy who gave you the poster. He's not going to see your actions as you didn't want to see him. It's like, oh, no, he was sick. That's why he was giving me the cold shoulder. He had COVID. Yeah. And so he's he'll coming be back. back. He's coming back. So oh, gear up. Something to look forward to. Lombardia. Um, he'll be there. Back to this Castor Leon race. You know how it's, it's, 
I've never had such a sympathy result in my life. So what happened was we get to the bottom of this climb, green edge, uh, Mitchelson just go ape shit, like so hard. And then Yates, he just clips off and I didn't get on his wheel and I tried to follow him and then everyone around me cracked and I was just in no man's land and couldn't, couldn't stay with him. So we had this little group and some guys came back and eventually like this huge group came back and like, it was like guys controlling the race, but Yates, he was already like 40 seconds, 50 seconds up the road. And I just clipped off like doing this because I was like, oh, I'll just try, you know. And I've never had it in my life. Nobody chased. They just let me go. They just went. And I was like, wait, no one's coming with me? No one's chasing? What's going on here? And it was like, it, I had like 10K gratis. Just got this huge gap. And then they're like, oh, shit, we better chase him. Way too late. And uh, yeah, got second. But did you attack on the climb? Yeah, but then they yeah, came well, back to me. Then I went again on the on the second part of the climb, on the kicker. Well, maybe they didn't but let no you go. Maybe they couldn't follow you. Yeah, maybe oh, no, you actually go. going good. Back yourself. Nah, yeah. they let me go. For sure, they let me go. And then you're like, fuck, there's 20k to go. I'm going to do this by myself now. <laughs> yeah, oh. it was so long as well. It's like sometimes <laughs> when you get in a breakaway and you're like, you're in a breakaway. I've been in a few before where you just, you know it's a, it's a breakaway oh. that's got zero chance. And you're just like riding along. You're just like, fuck, just catch us. Just catch us. Or, or when you're in the breakaway that it might survive, but you're the worst guy. So you're in a breakaway with yeah. eight guys and, and you're the eighth. worst. And you're getting eighth or you're even getting dropped before the finish. And it's on TV. So you start going, how can I slow this breakaway down so we get caught before I'm dropped from the breakaway? So yeah. like you could say like, oh, if we just had a bit more time, I would have won that. You know, and you're just like, you're looking for any way to just be the handbrake in the breakaway. Mm. <laughs> Rolling through too fast, sitting up, like, just starting all sorts of rubbish in the in the pellet. It's actually not a bad tactic. No, it's not, if you're on a rough but one. You didn't have a bad ride at San Sebastian either, GB. Uh, 13, four 13th. minutes off. No, I wasn't. i tell you what, because what happened was, obviously, I got quite sick with COVID, had heaps of time off, had 10 days, essentially, doing nothing couple of rides towards the end of the 10 days then went training a bit and just got absolutely suffered did three really three training rides and then went to these races so went to san sebastian and had every single heart rate medal for the whole year so like your biggest five second one minute five minute ten minute one hour 90 minutes everything all new heart rate records so basically i spent five and a half hours on the ropes, like absolutely suffering, getting dropped, coming back, getting so wasn't even in the race, but it just cockroached it. And then the next day, I was okay. <laughs> yesterday, I was okay. Was the first yesterday was the first day I'd say I was like coming back to life. Just cockroached we it. I've cockroached never heard it. that before. You know, you just won't die. You just there's another ah. shirt. You just the like, cockroach. Just cockroached it. And then, yeah. yeah. Good, uh, good reaction from the guys for the shirts, the mm. merch. Yeah. Mm. yeah I'll tell you one good. downside of that, though. One downside of that is how many people call me a shit bloke in my day-to-day life now. Mm. <laughs> even even, a, even this young bloke in the pillow yesterday, he's like, what is it today, mate? Shit ride a good bloke? And I was like... <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. We're going to do a little... We'll, we'll, we're still... We've got the hats, well... We had a comment actually saying like, if you're promoting your hats, why aren't you wearing them on the podcast? And it was, I was like, that's a fucking good point. But I actually haven't got one because they are in pre, pre, they've been manufactured still. But George has got a couple 
um, that couple of samples we got. So we'll do a fo- we're going to do a photo shoot, I reckon, eh, this week or something or some point. Mm, yeah, do a little photo shoot with the hats because we've also got another hat. We've got that merch hat, and we've also got another hat we're going to release soon, which is the which is just the logo on the hat. Oh, so I've, we'll do. I've got one. I've washed it. Do you want me to grab it? Washed it. Yeah. yeah all geez, the two it's a salt. Who I washes think. hats? Yeah, I did. Because you know when you get those salt marks or whatever, you got to wash that out. And when you I sweat, I don't think you get those if you. Yeah, I, I only think you get those salt marks if you're doing like five-hour stages in the Alps, not if you're doing interviews no, in the press zone. Mate, forty degrees, standing in the bloody sun for two hours, cook it up. Hmm. But no, they wash well. So that's a good sign. <laughs> we should put that on the description. They wash well. Wash well. Yeah. No, but yeah, we got it. We got a logo hat. It's basically just a blue hat with the logo on it. So yeah, that's the hat. Yeah. Tilt it forward a bit. You can see it's been hasn't been washed very well. It's still salty. Oh, it's still mate, you should have seen it beforehand. It's but way um, they'll, you they'll be on they'll be on sale soon. But when we when we do sell them, they won't come with the salt line across the no. line like Jonesy's one. That no. they'll be they'll be new, be fresh. I might put it put it through the ringer again. Get it's the like salt a baggy out. green. Yeah, well, it's been around France, so survived the trip in forty degree heat. You um, go. you got a big announcement, Bills. I do. I'm a bit nervous about this announcement, actually. You need to get four or five more mics in yeah. next to your mic, and then Should get a backdrop. Yeah, get a backdrop that, with all like your sponsors, and that's it. Yeah. No, it's a funny announcement. I'm. Uh, you boys know, obviously, but the listeners will know that. 2022 will be my last year as a professional cyclist, hanging the helmet up at the end of the year. So it's been a hell of a ride. Um, been bloody professional for near on 15 years. Been doing this is all I've been doing for 20 years. Uh, 20 years since I first came to Europe. You know, a couple of Olympic medals, met some fucking awesome people, had some awesome experiences. But I've sort of been toying with the idea for the last year or so. And then the first six months of this year, I was pretty indecisive, not really sure what I wanted to do and probably a bit of a hard person to live with for Hannah. It was sort of internalized a lot of my decision making, kept it pretty kept pretty silent about it. Um not not for any other reason that like I was just unsure and I kind of felt like it was a decision I really needed to make by myself without any other influences or opinions or whatever. And I mean Hannah was amazing through the whole the whole the whole process just letting me do that. So yeah, about a month ago, I called the team and just told them that I'm gonna gonna retire into the year. So, yeah, a couple more months left of racing, but um, yeah, I'm trying not to get emotional actually. <laughs> well, that's so, a yeah. that's a long yeah. long time, like yeah. as a pro. Like I remember when I announced that I wasn't going to do the videos videos anymore. I lost mm. my shit. <laughs> I couldn't yeah. even couldn't even talk to the boys. I was cooked at the time anyway, but. Still, there was at the end of the welter, yeah, yeah. Bottle but, um, when you look back at it, what obviously riding the tour has got to be right up there. But what would you say is the best memories you've got, particularly on the road? Um, there's so many, and like I was thinking about it, I've been obviously reflecting on my career a bit over the last few weeks, and like there's so many cool experiences that I've had, like based on performances. Um, obviously, like 2018, the, the Giro 2018 was probably a real highlight of like my performance on the road where I was riding 
riding really well. I, I really felt like in that tour, I was one of the best Grand Tour domestiques in the world at that point. Um, and obviously, Yatesy was flying. And then we had the disappointment when he, did, he he lost the jersey with a couple of days to go. But like that was like a real highlight for me. And yeah, the tour was, I mean, I, only, I, I always wanted to go to the tour like every other professional cyclist. And um, for a whole bunch of different reasons, I only went once. Um, which was an amazing experience as well because we actually had the yellow jersey there, and we led the led the race with Adam Yates for for three or four days. He gave me a yellow jersey afterwards, um, and that was a huge disappointment for me as well because I crashed out of the fucking thing. Um, never met, so I never made it to Paris. I'm gonna I'm gonna end my career without having ever made it to Paris, but I'm okay with that as well um, because I was at the tour and it wasn't my fault that I didn't get to Paris and it was still an amazing experience. But I think like when I look reflect on my career the most like. It's it's less about things that we've done on the bike and performances that I've had or performances that I've been involved with with other teammates like Matty Heyman and poster behind me. You can see when he won Perry Bay, that was another experience. But like just the people I've met, like mm. I've made a life over here in Europe. Um, I've met some like you know people like my best friends. They you know they're like they've made they've made Europe a home for me because of. They're less friends and more of a family, and you were obviously a big part of that, Jonesy. You were you were a big part of moulding that that culture of of the group of friends we have over here, and of course, George, like you know, my best mate. Um, it's been it's been just like a pretty fucking unique experience and a pretty special experience that a lot of people don't get and meet some pretty cool people. And um, I guess like hanging up hanging up the helmet is one thing, but I I feel pretty okay. I, I feel really good about it. Um, I, you know, I. Not don't question my decision at all. Um, that was sort of always where where my gut was at the last twelve months. Just took a little bit of push um, to you know grow the balls to to make the decision in the end. Uh, but the good thing is that I'm staying in Europe. I'm not going back to New Zealand like a lot of people do. You know, Kiwis and Aussies they go back to Australia or New Zealand as soon as they finish. But I'm not doing that. I'm going to stay over here in Europe. So it's less of a it's good that it's just going to be a retirement party as opposed to a goodbye party. I'm mm, definitely not yeah. ready for that. Um, so yeah, a couple of months to go. Then. How, how crazy is it? Like, like when I think of, I mean, it, it's, it's such a good decision to make or the time is right. If you, if you're not waking up and absolutely shitting yourself that you're not going to be doing pro cycling next year, you know, like for example, I'm at the point where I'd go, the thought of not being a professional cyclist, it, it's really scary, you know? And, and mm. if, if like something happened and I couldn't be a pro cyclist tomorrow, it was taken away from me, whatever, you know, I'm so, I, I the thought of that is so like overwhelming. But if you wake up one morning and go, I actually don't want to do this. I actually, this isn't, because then you know it's the right time because it's such a hard sport. Like think about everything we give up. Like, you know, you think your whole life is restricted in terms of what you can do where you have to be, um, you know, food, not going out, looking after your body, hurting, and, and more than anything, hurting yourself, like actually physically hurting yourself for a cause. If you're not 100% in it, if you're not, then it's too hard. Then it's mm. then it's time to go, right, let's see what else I can bring to the, the sport or my life or whatever, you know, in, in some other way than, than actually being a rider. Then you and, know, and like... A, and it's yeah. a really bizarre bizarre experience that george because like um 
you know, for like the better part of my career up until this point, I've, I have felt always like that. Like if this sport was to mm. be taken away from me for one reason or another, or a team wasn't going to give me a contract, or I had an injury that stopped me from racing, like I wasn't ready for that. And that, and I did shit myself at those thoughts. Um, but now like, and it's funny when you speak to people, like I spoke to you, you know, you were probably one of the first people I spoke to about it, George, like quite a while ago. And like I could see how you you were thinking like oh fuck but don't stop man like fuck like mm. but like because that was what my that was my yeah. yeah you're not exactly there. and like it's you can't no one can really understand um, the time when you're ready to stop like you can't you'll never understand it until you you're at that point yourself and like you can't mm. explain it to anybody you just you just kind of know and like it's off the back of like some hard times for me, you know, like fucking COVID. I didn't handle well, like the lockdown period. Then I had the Tour de France injury, um, the, the broken wrist that put me off the, off the bike, for like seven or eight months having to come back from all that. And then like, I, I really like last year was a tough year for me because the wrist was still giving me lots of trouble. But then the first six months of this year, I've been riding, I think back, not to my best level, but to a, a, a good level. And I kind of proved to myself that I could do that. And I feel like I didn't need to prove it to anybody else, but I wanted to prove it to myself. Um, and now I feel like I don't need to do that again. You know, I've, I I don't, like I, I was telling my dad, I was like, I could try and go for another year or, you know, like, but if I had another injury like that, then I, I just wouldn't have the, the mental capacity or the energy to try to come back from it again. And like, I know mm. I'm speaking hypothetically now, but like, I just don't even want to put myself in that position. And I want to, I love the sport. I love cycling, but all the things I love about riding a bike, I don't need to be racing to achieve those. I just like going out and riding now and talking shit with the boys and having fun and just enjoying the sport for what it is, like from the recreational side, I guess. Um, but I love the scene as well. I, I love the people that, like I, like I said, I love the people I've met and I, I want to continue to be involved with those people. And, as much as I'm ready to stop pinning the number on, I'm not ready to leave the scene yet. And what I do next year, I don't know yet. It's still up in the air. Um, but hopefully, I you know, I plan on staying involved in the scene. That's why I want to stay in Europe and obviously support Hannah through her. You know, she's still racing next year and um, and still just be involved in the scene and, and get out on the bike. I've ordered a new mm. gravel bike, so I'll be fucking railing the gravel. Just, I'm not going to race it. I'll I'll say that. I'll I'll make a real point. I won't be fucking racing it, but I'll be. I don't know. I, it'll be you and Hassy battling it out for UCI nah, nah, points nah. on the gravel. You ride a few blogs. The only the only gravel <laughs> scene I'm the only gravel scene I'm joining is the one where I can have a couple of beers mid ride. <laughs> I, 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 lo I love the contrast between GB and me. Anytime you talk about retirement, my advice is yeah, just fucking bin it. <laughs> <laughs> Because I don't get it. Drink piss with. That's it. That's I would it. say two two things on this, right? On firstly, on let's say on your career or whatever. I think, especially in your role or what you bring into teams and stuff, there's you can't quantify like a successful career by what races you've won or what results you've ridden or whatever, because so much of what you were doing was bringing like, okay. There's all the road captain stuff. There's all the organization on the stuff, you know. But then how much more stuff is like dinner? Let's say like, for lack of a better word, the dinner table, you know. How much of that is like, that is so important to have guys around that bring the environment, that bring the, you know, bring the culture. The Okay, let's call it like a culture. I mean, Jumbo used the term culture carriers, but I think, you know, this is more like you've been the DNA of that team. You've been like the, the, the epitome of like, 
a Mitchelton rider, no? Like mm. fighting on the bike, hell of a relaxed, enjoyable time off the bike. But you know what I mean? Getting it down, everything like that. So, so much of that stuff you can't quantify by a result or a, or how many times you've ridden the tour or how many grand tours you were part of winning because ultimately that shit's not up to you, you know? You, mm. Mitchelton always targeted the Giro, you always went to the Giro. So who cares about Paris, you know? It's more like people look back and go, fuck yeah, when that guy stops, that's going to leave a huge hole in this team, you know? And even if it's not on the bike, they're sure, they can find, honestly, if we're speaking honestly, they can probably find a 21-year-old Dutchy big guy who could push more watts, you know? That's how it is now. Yeah. But they're not going to find the same guy that can bring a group together, you know? So that's the hole you're living in. That's, and that's the stuff that's so hard to quantify. But the other thing is you're talking about injuries. I don't know anyone that's had such a run. We think back to, you think back to the year you were going to ride the tour and you hit that hit that timing strip at, uh, was it Tour de Suisse? Oh, Romandy. That was the shoulder, no? Yeah. From that point on, man, we, we've touched on this before on the show. It was, I think we got to like 11 broken bones or something. Like your run was yeah. out of control. And you just think like, every time you got to come back from an injury, it's like, one, you're, you're also out of the scene. So you're out of the picture. You got to fight your way back into the team. You got to fight your way back from zero. You got to, you know what I mean? It's just, it's so taxing. Well, it's I remember unbelievable. after you crashed in the 2014 Roubaix and Jules went and saw you in the hospital. I remember afterwards I said to Jules, oh, how's Jules? He goes, yeah, I sort of said to him, like, if he wants to go back and do the track, you know, no one's going to blink an eye at him. That was in yeah. 2014. That was eight years ago. Yeah, because I had a bad run of injuries there. And I think Jules was just like, he was obviously, a, you know, he was he's a guy who's been a pretty big and special part of my career, mentor of mine. He coached me for a while and he still is my mentor now. Um, but I think he just genuinely cared for me. He just saw me getting mm. injured so much and he was like, mate, try to... You know, he was trying to find a place for me in cycling where I wasn't going to get fucking beaten up every time I lined up. Well, if you I see remember... the crash at the Commonwealth Games, the track yeah. cycling's no better for you. Fucking me, that was out did of you, Did you see the photos of that, that the little kid? Yeah, it was like, nuts, though. Hang on, I think... I, I've I, haven't, got... I couldn't see a video. I couldn't load anything. I wouldn't, it was all geo-restricted, but it sounded pretty nasty. It was a bad crash. But thank, thankfully, they're all okay. Like, I, I was watching it live, and then... Like the 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 broadcasters, the host broadcasters did an awesome job. Like the crash happened, it was t three quarters of a lap to go, so they were filming the bunch in the sprint, and the crash happened. They immediately just went shoof, away with the camera, and they never showed replays. Which sort was of gone good. back to it. So yeah. these these are the photos. <laughs> so there's this one, and then there was another photo. And if you're listening, like you know, there's this carnage. But, but that Canadian he, bloke, yeah, he's and he got his arm caught and broke it in the railing there oh so you, hey is that a kiwi said, on the ground yeah it's george jackson yeah but then if you zoom in on the other photo right the dad is using the red-headed daughter as a human shield <laughs> and then you see the next photo where it's clearly evident that he's like closed his oh eyes oh my and god put the, her up as the human oh. shield this is out of control oh he's trying to get her out of the way i reckon yeah, oh. it's it, yeah. I don't know, but it's, thankfully though, everyone was okay. Like that was, was Matt okay, Walls. Yeah. He's Olympic. He won the Olympic. He won the Omnium at the Olympics in t in Tokyo, 
and he ended up in the stands there, as you can see in those photos. And he was he was there for a long time. Like they stopped the racing for about an hour while the um, medical staff attended to him. But in, he was in the end like battered and bruised and a few stitches mm. and cuts and stuff. But he was Man, he was released poor, from hospital in the evening. Mm. Yeah, it was fucking it's gnarly. Pretty, pretty amazing when people can walk away from that, eh? Yeah. Like, mm. how fast are they going? 65, mm. 70? Oh, yeah, mm. 70. Like, that was scratch race qualifying, but then the final won by Corbin Strong. Kiwis are, yeah. Kiwis are bloody ripping the track, ripping the boards apart. And and I'd like to say Birmingham, but it's in London. We're going to saying there's a track rider and his name's David Beckham because he's, yeah. He's it's certainly who? were big soccer fans, and there's a Ronaldinho as well. Yeah, they're both they're both from India. Really? And yeah, yeah, his name's David Beckham, and um, Beckham's his middle name. Um, oh, his last name. I, was I don't know. Say that. And then, but then the other guy's first name is Ronaldo or Ronaldinho. Like they yeah. both had f- parents were just massive soccer fans, <laughs> so they called their kid. Bless you. Sorry. Um, Thank you. <laughs> they called their kids after well, David Beckham and Ronaldo. We've been derailed from retirement chat. Um, that's right. Can't, we can't yeah. harp on it forever. Nah, well, yeah, shit. That's gonna be um, it's gonna be a good. Piss it's up. gonna, oh, yeah. it's gonna be a hell of a, hell of a send off. It's quite weird for me because now we, it's the first time I'd say like my my friends are retiring. You know, like Mitch Docker mm. last year. You now probably another couple of guys next year. You just think shit. It's. I mean, the big thing is though, like you say. It's a retirement party, not a goodbye party, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I reckon... Um, party. Do you know what I reckon I'm going to do for after the retirement party? A couple of days Social after the retirement parties? Huh. Yeah. I might. I reckon I might just treat myself and head over and see my mate Jace at uh, Miller Resorts in Maldives for a few days. Oh, yeah. Feet up. Why not? Yeah. Do a live show from the Maldives. Yeah. Get Jace on. Or do a competition, rig it and win it. I guess there won't be any Russians there these days. No, I wouldn't. No, there's no, there's no drama there. See, George was onto it. He was yeah. onto it early. And everyone said, "Oh, better not upset the Russians." You can tee off now. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, matter. that's enough of that. Um, yeah, looking forward to getting oh. those photos of the hats done. We'll uh, get these other ones up online shortly as well. Yep. Yeah. Anything else? All right. Nah, no. I've just spent um, all morning in Barcelona. Flew in like, late last night from the saying, had a bougie night, but I'm, I'm looking for a chaqueta. A chaque, a chaque. It's a, it's a tux with tails. You know, the long, I've got a oh, mate's yeah. wedding. The penguin suit. Yeah, the penguin suit, exactly. Why do you want a penguin? Uh, Why do you have to wear a penguin suit? I'm a testigo at a wedding. In testigo? A testicle. Yeah. What's that? A testicle at a wedding in Spain. <laughs> it's a witness. Yeah, ah, so you have to wear the tails as a witness. It's an honour. It's not a you 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 get to wear the tails. The only other time you <laughs> could wear those is if you go to the races at Ascot. They wear the tails with the top hats. So you need to well, then yeah. afterwards go to Ascot. Well, Bewley will be around. Maybe I'll have a um, maybe for my retirement party. Then I'll have a Gatsby theme, so you can wear the tails again. <laughs> wear the <Yeah>. tails. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Perfect. It's a good yeah. suit. All right. Yeah, it was, it was no, to find one of them in Girona, though. Yeah, don't exist in Girona, I tell you that. No. Maybe at the right. G-Star store. <laughs> I need to get back to bed, boys. I'm starting to fade. All right. All right. Like, share, subscribe. Look out for the new, next, next drop of hats.
And if you've got any medical issues, use an app.